0: I'm going to jump right into our final talk here of the brave series. Really looking at how the faith, our life, ultimately, there are seasons where we have to raise up bravery to walk out our faith, and we get that. And we're looking at how to equip you in that. And I've mentioned it before, um, and and it'll kind of set up our talk today, but. Uh, something I experienced for 13 years. I was a youth pastor for 13 years before we started Open Life here. And uh, in 13 years, we took kids to camps. We took them on missions trips. We went to youth conferences. And one thing that always happened is students would come back on that spiritual high, that moment of... Oh, my goodness, I have just spent like seven focused days away, or like our mission trips would be like 13 or 14 days away. I love Jesus. He loves me. Like it was so clear to them because they were removed from all the common distractions in their life. It was so clear to them who they were in the eyes of Christ that they would come come back and we would call it like a camp high or a camp experience where they're just like wired and then we drop them off and they get back in the car, and normality hits. Now I'm a parent with two teenagers, right? I'm on the other side of that moment when they come back, and they're tired, and the realness faces me in the car. And you're like, you just spent time with Jesus. Why is there a demon in my car? No, I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Uh, but you're just—it's crazy, you know. They're tired, and and sometimes, not in my family, with two girls sitting anywhere close to the platform. Anyway, in my family, they're never cranky. But sometimes, you know, I've heard that, that somebody once told me there's—I have a friend who was saying that sometimes when they're tired, they can be a little cranky, you know. So, the, but the reality is they're thrust back into context, they're thrust back into home. Sometimes those homes are not healthy at all. Sometimes those homes are, but they're just tired. And all the all the normal digital interactions kick in, and all the normal chores kick in, and all the normal reality. So it's not like 24-7 God. And so it's this moment that sometimes to students would seem like a spiritual high that is just going to dissipate really fast, like within 24 hours. Students aren't the only ones that experience this. We can experience that as adults. We can come to a service, even 70 minutes together on a Sunday morning. We can hear a passage. We can be so inspired and so moved by the word that God has brought into our understanding. But we get back into the car And the tasks of life and the chores and the work schedule kick in and the realities of our life become so distracting that that inspiration is immediately diffused and we wonder, there's this moment of wonder, is this going to last or was it just a spiritual high? I think we've all, if we're honest with ourselves, we've all asked or thought that or experience that doubt. Now, let me say this while we're on the subject. It's highly valuable to get your student into any of said experiences I just mentioned, missions trips, camps, conferences. It's worth everything. I've actually had students try to buy their way out of going to camp before. I'm dead serious. They signed up for camp. Well, I should let me rephrase that. Their parents signed them up for camp. And they offered their parents money to not go. We'll pay you back with interest. Don't send us to camp, right? Those kids went to camp, met Jesus, came home, and thanked their parents so desperately for that experience. I'll never forget. It just so happened I took the speaker to the same restaurant they were eating at. And they walked over to our table. And they are like, what did you do? And I was like, I thought something was wrong, right? Because I've had those conversations too after a camp. And I was like, huh? And they were like, those are not the same kids that tried to pay their way out of camp. They loved it, and they're determined to raise money to bring their friends with them next time. And I'm going, whoa. So it's worth it. It's worth it, and those seeds go deep, and they can last, as we're going to talk about today. So that said, free plug for John and youth camp coming up uh signups are going to be online soon but you can you can scholarship any kids you can sew towards camp you can do whatever you want send a kid uh if you have a student and you're worried about the finances to pay for 250 did i get that number right 250 per kid for a camp here's the deal We'll find a way. Don't let money be an obstacle. Just say, hey, I need help, and we'll figure it out. Uh, But we did a garage sale this weekend and raised almost enough money to send our daughters. So we're excited when they come home tired. In Jesus' name. Anyway, here's what I'm saying with this. Uh, Peter understood these doubts, and we've been looking at Peter's life, and now we're going to kind of take a look at the end of his story and what he taught us about finishing what he taught us about, hey, it's not just a spiritual high. This is not just a moment where you follow Jesus and then it just kind of wears off. There's reasons if it feels like that. There's way to finish there's ways to finish well. And so Peter was not unfamiliar with these doubts because he often Wondered himself. He went from following Jesus to fishing and then following Jesus again. He went back to his old ways and realized through his own life how to figure this out. We've looked at brave to follow, brave to fail, brave to act, and last week, brave to share. And now here we are today at brave to finish. So Peter is no longer the bumbling goofball who steps out really aggressively and crazily and makes a mess of everything or chops somebody's ear off or denies Jesus. It's now this stronger, more active in faith Peter leading the church. Thousands have come to follow the Lord. The movement is way out of his responsibility at this point. There's more people discipling, more people in Jesus' name, and he pens two books First and Second Peter, instructing people of, man, here's how to keep the fire burning. Here's how to follow Jesus. Here's what to do if this is your scenario or this is scenario. And I love the opening of 2 Peter. We're going to look at 2 Peter 1 today. And it starts like this. I'm writing to you who share the same precious faith we have. This faith was given you because of the justice in fairness of Jesus Christ, our God and Savior. May God give you more and more grace and peace as you grow in your knowledge of God and Jesus, our Lord. By His divine power, God has given us everything. Now that's pretty all-inclusive right there. God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We've received all of this by coming to know Him, the One who called us To himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. By saying yes to Jesus, by choosing to follow Jesus, we've been given everything for a godly life. Our big idea today God gives us what we need to finish. Let's continue in verse four. Because of his glory and excellence, He's given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share His divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desires. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. Make every effort to respond to God's promises. Thought one, God's promises help you finish God's promises help you finish God's given you what you need to finish and thankfully it's not on your own strength or power but it's on God's power and the power of his promises that help us finish well but God's promises require response isn't that interesting The response to God's promise is to supplement your faith ultimately, to empower the decision you made to follow Jesus. It's like pouring fuel on the fire. I think it's easy for people to say yes to Jesus. I'll believe in Jesus too. You know, kind of add Jesus to the menu. But it's another thing to walk through the door of giving Jesus your life and discover on the other side all the blessings and promises that are there. There's so much when we say yes to him. And we can finish well. We're empowered with everything we need to finish well and not lose that spiritual high according to his word. We'll be talking through what it is to live this godly life or this Christ-centered life in two weeks when we launch another five-week series called Bless This Home. Just looking at what it is to be a Christ-centered home. And uh, I'm pumped for that. Next week is a standalone Mother's Day talk. Guys, next week is Mother's Day. Hint, hint. Anyway, uh, Amazon Prime, two days. Make the order. Okay, moving on. Um, You know, it's interesting to to look. Next week we'll be celebrating moms. I have a gift for you. It's going to be fun. Uh, A great talk. I'm excited about it but then we're going to talk about you know this whole godly living concept this Christ centered home through the beatitudes it's going to be an awesome series but today we're looking at the reality of saying yes to Jesus it's another it's one thing to say yes to him and another to live out the promises in scripture saying yes is not what gets you to live life to the full you have access to life to the full But it's living out the promises as we discover them. It's like adding pieces to the puzzle. Every time we discover a promise, it's like, oh, my goodness, I did not know. So I was named after my great-grandfather, Thaddeus Taylor. Great-grandpa Thaddeus was, I didn't know this until we were praying about starting this church. I knew he was a pastor, a Nazarene pastor, but I found out that the person I was named after actually started seven churches. He was a church planter. And that was one of those little keys that when we were praying as to whether we should start a church or not, that like, I was like, oh my goodness, like I, this is being passed down. Like I'm the next generation of of people who are going to start churches. I, I need to do this, you know. And so it was one of those little fan into flame that, Nudge we were feeling from God to start a church in Bonnie Lake and and now Sumner and and in the future Wilkeson and Buckley and Enumclaw and Lakeland Hills. Okay, anyway, uh, so we were you know there, it's the, that's the drive like that call is so deep inside of my bloodstream I can't let it go. Ording. Anyway, moving on. Uh, so we're just excited about the future, but I'm looking at that and saying, uh, you know, what are some of those things besides church planting that I heard about? my great-grandpa Thaddeus, that were passed down. And and one of those is this legacy he had was a gun collection. Now, I don't have any of the guns. I do have his sermon notes. And uh, so that's kind of cool. But one of the stories he would always tell is how he got the guns, because he never bought one. My great-grandpa Thaddeus picked up hitchhikers. Now, I'm not saying you should have the faith when you leave here today. To pick up every hitchhiker you see in the name of Jesus. That's not what I'm saying. I'm also not endorsing anything that involves guns or politics. Blah blah blah. Vote for me in office. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, so uh, you know, I'm just looking at the reality of he would get guns. This is how he got them. People would hold him up that he picked up as hitchhikers. Give me all your money. I don't know if they had that voice. Give me all your money. You know, whatever the voice they used, but. He would look at him, and he would share a passage or the promise from a passage in 1 John 4, 4. He would share that in his King James language, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Uh, you need to put that gun down, son. <laughs> I can't imagine this, right? He just stares at the barrel of the gun, and it's like, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And begins the discussion with them about, hey, I'm a pastor. Picked you up to help you. You're loved. Um, uh, if you need money, I can help. But give me that gun, son. And if I remember right, he had at least a half a dozen guns from picking up hitchhikers. Man, that is an awesome story. I love that legacy. I love how that was passed down, and, and I've always known, man, greater is he. It's just one of those promises I knew even when I wasn't following Jesus. I didn't make a decision to follow Jesus until I was 21. But I knew 1 John 4-4 that whole time because of my great-grandpa's story. He passed away when I was just a wee little lad, four years old. But boy, I remember that story, and I remember hearing about it. And, and I look at that, and I go, It's given me the courage to do a couple different things. One time I was on a missions trip in Honduras, and Dana was sharing a VBS in an area that had just been ravaged by a hurricane, and and so it's mud, and it's it's gang-infested in this one little pocket, and, and we're sharing the gospel to these kids, and they're responding in the middle of this, like, muddy pocket of area, and I have the picture to prove it. I was videotaping Dana, and I'm working my way around, you know, looking at the screen, And I realize I'm filming Dana, but on the other side of her is a kid pointing a gun. Just a young teen, you know? Full on, has a handgun, and he's just pointing it at Dana. And I remember just taking the picture, setting the camera down, and just walking straight to get on the other side of Dana, then jumping off the platform, and my eyes were just fixed on that kid. And I just walked straight at him, and I was quoting in my mind the whole time. What was I quoting? Great-grandpa Thaddeus' verse, greater is he that is in me, he that is in the world. Here I come, Jesus, you know. Just like, oh, wait, no, that's not the passage. It doesn't end like that. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And as I approached that young boy, I remember him taking that gun and putting it in his back. And when I got to him, and a translator jumped over and started following me because I didn't speak Spanish very well at all. I knew enough to be dangerous. I probably would have told him something wrong and then he would have shot me. So I just started sharing with the kid the love of God and he ended up praying with us and who knows what his story is today. Hopefully in heaven I'll discover. But I look at that courage, that promise that was passed down through generations. That's the power of a, a promise in Scripture that can help us live out our faith well and finish well. That's the kind of power the promises of God have for our life. He's given us great and precious promises. These are promises that enable you to share his divine nature, escape the world's corruption caused by human desires in view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promises. How's your effort? How's the effort category? The more promises we learn and uncover, the more divine nature God will allow us to experience. And ultimately, we can escape the corruption that most others are impacted by. Those human desires that well up, because we understand the promises of God, we can step around them. No temptation is overcome, makes up what's common to man, but God gives me a way out of it. Whoa. I know that promise in 1 Corinthians. I'm not gonna take that same road of temptation. We make wiser choices because we learn things, but it takes effort to obey the promises, make every effort. How are you at responding to promises? I mean, it's one thing for us to read our Bible daily, but what if we read it to discover? What if we're reading it to find a promise? Yeah, every day you don't find a promise when you're reading through a Bible plan. But there are days that are just like, wow, this is powerful. And something that we can navigate our life by. Well, Peter continues to share from his wisdom in verse 5, or the second half of it here. Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patience, endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. Thought two, feed your faith. Feed your faith. Philippians 2.13 says this promise, God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. God is working in you, allowing you to build upon knowledge, to build upon moral excellence, knowledge, and knowledge, self-control, and self-control, patient endurance, patient endurance, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly affection, brotherly affection, love for everyone. Interesting, isn't it? Whenever you get a list like this, it's tricky. Scripture. Because you think, well, man, I need to make a checkbox, and every day I need to check off every one of those categories so that I can grow on a scale of 1 to 10. How am I doing at this on a scale of 1 to 10, right? And we just, we're prescriptive that way. We want a list of things to do. But remember, God made us human beings, not human doings for a reason. We need to allow these things to become in us. And we challenge ourselves. Our faith is ultimately in Jesus, and it's by him that we are saved. However, Peter encourages us to supplement our faith and discover what we have access to through these things. Uh, I'm very familiar with other translations of the Bible. The New Living Translation, which we use here, plain English, words this a little different, some of the other translations will say, add to your faith this, and upon this, the next thing, and upon the next thing, the next thing, and it gets to loving everybody. And I think one of the challenges that I, as someone who's followed Jesus for a number of years now, have is forgetting when I'm encouraging you to go out and love people That's the result of the list. It may take a while. If you choose to say yes to Jesus today or you follow Jesus today and you walk out from here, you still may not love that person who hurt you yet. It might be hard to forgive them right now. It might be a struggle to have that brotherly affection for that family member who did that. Which We'll talk about that in our next series. But we're challenged. There's some crazy teaching here. When we say yes to Jesus, it takes time for us to add these things onto our faith. We've got the foundation. Eternity is covered. But now we add to this. We supplement. We feed our faith like putting gas on a fire to make it roar. Man, is it possible that Peter is writing from his experiences of his life and realizes what he needed if he wanted to do better? Absolutely. You don't want to grow old and realize all you did was listen and not respond to his promises. Oh, that's another good promise. Glad I know that one now. Make every effort to add all these things into our life. Moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, patient endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, love for everyone. Feed your faith. That's what it's going to thrive on. That's the elements that are needed for your faith to be amazing. When we use these promises of God to feed our faith, he says this in verse 8 in 2 Peter 1, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful You will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So it's it's possible to grow more, right? Knowing Jesus is vital to growing and ultimately finishing. If I don't know Jesus, I can't grow in these things. All these are possible because I chose to follow him. This is not a stagnant knowledge. It's just looking deeper and deeper and discovering more and more of his promises that are a benefit of being a follower of Jesus. And maybe if you followed Jesus a long time ago and you've, you've been a Christian for a matter of years and you're wondering, man, why is my faith just stagnant? Did you stop seeking out his promises? Because when you discover something new and then you see it come reality in your life, phew, your faith is like, bam, mind-blown. Right? Like that one commercial, whatever it is, where their heads blow up purple. It's awesome. Love that commercial. We need to grow in our faith. And I don't know about you, but I grew up in a family where whatever the latest health thing was, a purchase was definitely made of that thing, whatever it was. We had the, like, little, like, leg squeezer thing. I don't know. Uh, um, what was that? The thigh master? Yes, the thigh master. wait uh, i mean, I had the Tony Little workout. Anybody remember Tony Little? He was just really intense with the sweetest hair that he totally could have man bunned Jaden. Just saying, he could have pulled off a sweet man bun. Uh, so you know, but you know, and he was just like, "I'm gonna pump you up," you know. And he's got these calves exploding, and you're like, "I will be kind of like Tony when I'm done," and. It, A few years ago, we got a sweet deal on an elliptical. It's like a big thing that doesn't get put away. You just kind of think, where am I going to put this thing that will be the most used in our home, right? So I think we first put it like, but it's gigantic, so it takes up a lot of space. We first put it in like the TV room, but then we realized when you like work out, one, I, I, I tried to convince myself I'm going to work out while I watch TV, but... It's way easier to watch it in this position than maybe if I had one of those bikes so you just re- – no, I still wouldn't do it. But, you know, so we were on the elliptical, and it would make, like, popping and noises, and you'd be watching TV like, shh, stop it. I'm trying to exercise, you know. Probably only happened once. But so then we moved it from there, a more productive location. We put it in our bedroom because we could wake up early and work out in there. No problem. I'm right if it's rainy outside because I could just walk. Anyway, or run. <laughs> walking's more reality for me. So, um, you know, we, we decided to put it in there, but honestly, we just never use it. And we landed at the ultimate yesterday, garage sale. We put it out of the garage sale. And I'm kind of feeling, you know, just because we have an elliptical doesn't mean we're going to be in shape. I mean, I am a shape, but I'm not in shape, Right? Just because I wear a Fitbit does not mean I am fit, right? It just tells me how unfit I am repeatedly. I know I haven't taken 250 steps this hour. Shh, you know? It's kind of how I just tell it to be quiet. It's like self-torture. Anyway, uh, so that's the reality is we didn't sell the elliptical at the garage sale. Now it's in our garage. Maybe I'll work out there. Buy, sell, trade, offer up, any Craigslist, hello, somebody help me get this out of my house. Just because we have this stuff doesn't mean we're going to be fit. Just because we chose to follow Jesus doesn't mean we're going to grow in the promises of God unless we give every effort to do them. We have to take these promises and put them into action. Moral excellence will be discovered. Knowledge, self-control, patient endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, love for everyone. will become unproductive if we just put them on a shelf. We've got to use them or we'll become unfit followers. That's not what we want to be. We don't want to be unproductive. We want to be more productive and useful for God. Well, it continues in verse 9. Peter says... Those who fail to develop in this way are short-sighted or blind, forgetting what they've been cleansed from, their old sins. So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, and you'll never fall away. When will you fall away if you do these things? Never. Brave to finish. I wonder if this is spiritual high and it's just going to go away. Never! That's a big word. Thought three. Embrace the process. Everyone is in process. I mean, we're adding these things to our faith, right? It's all of our responsibility to look at these elements of the faith and just Add them on and find them and, and realize I'm going to finish. I'm not going to hit the finish line till I die, but I'm going to continue to grow. I'm going to continue to grow. That's what we're being challenged here is develop. Embrace the process. We're always going to be growing these things. And can I let you in on a pet peeve? It's one of those little pastor pet peeves. So I'm, I'm like, I'm giving it away. Can I just, because oh, this is, anyway, maybe you've heard this. I've definitely heard it as being in ministry for a number of years now. What am I at? Like 20 years, a pastor, right? And I've heard this many a times when somebody would say, you would ask them if they want to help or want to do something and they would say something along the lines of, well, I've done my time. So you're not following Jesus anymore? Or like, what do you mean? You know, I've you know, I was a Sunday school teacher once. I've done my time. It's like a sentence. You know, what is it? Um, I, I just, it's an interesting phrase to me. That's one of those that's just always caught me weird. And I, I've been in environments where everybody said that, you know, and they're like, well, you know, for 15 years, I was the coordinated doctor of usher capacity. You know, they'd make up a name. Oh, what did you do? I collected that offering bucket every Sunday for 15 years, and now I've done my time. You know, and the, wow, so you don't touch buckets anymore. No, I do not. Or those little cloth pessy bucket things that you have handles for, you know. those. I don't know. I'm just like, what does I done my time mean? That really has bothered me because as I read a text like this, it says it's never over. We're always developing our faith. There's always an opportunity to serve. There's always a heart for reaching people with the message of Jesus. Part of embracing the process is not allowing ourselves to say, I've done my time. But to push through and connect and serve and share over and over again. In fact, we're having an Open Life 101 in two weeks on the 15th. From 3 o'clock to 5.30 at Sumner Family Church. Directions are online or on the event tab of your app. Or you can sign up at the table back there. I think there's a physical sign up. I don't know that I saw it. But anyway, it's back there. Uh, you, you, You could write down that you're coming. Open Life 101 will talk about how you can connect, how you can serve, how you can share. How can you add to your faith these elements from our perspective? Why do we do what we do? Because we need to never say, I've done my time. I've done my time means everybody knows Jesus. There's nobody left to serve. That's not the stats in our community. Eighty percent of the people still don't know that Jesus loves them. We're called to respond to God's promises. Psalm 103, 1 through 5 says this, and then we'll land this plane. Let all that I am praise the Lord, my whole heart. I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death. Crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed Like the eagles. Isn't that amazing? Just because you fail doesn't mean that it's over. There's a process that we're all involved in, and you're going to add to your faith through discovering these promises. But the main thing is, grow in your knowledge. Grow in your awareness of the promises of God. That's how you finish well, because if you're not active in growing your faith, you're forgetting what you've been forgiven of. I don't wanna forget what I was forgiven of, because that's how I relate to people. Like my neighbor who stopped by last night while I was watering some plants that I planted and was venting with words that I hope my family couldn't hear through the windows. I love that neighbor. He's the one I one of the ones I write down on a list when I'm like, "Man, who do I want to see Jesus get a hold of?" He was mad about a car parked where it wasn't supposed to be parked and shared for 15 minutes about it, maybe a few too many drinks in. And I just, you know, being somebody who's just like able to share and love and know the promises of God for Him, and be silently praying those in my head while having a conversation. Invaluable. That's who God needs in every neighborhood, His people. You're on a mission in your neighborhood. Get in your front yard on a sunny day. But you get there, because that's love for everyone. We've got to grow in these promises to get there. Final passage. 2 Peter 1.11, then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior. If we do all this, if we're experiencing all these promises, then our action point today is simple. Finish. Set your life on a course to Finish. Don't make faith something you just began or you will begin. Make your faith one that will finish. Ultimately, we want to finish well. But reality is we need to finish. Which means we're going to accept the fact that we're broken people that need a Savior. That in turn, God is going to equip and raise up so that we can love more broken people. Who need Jesus? I don't know what you need to do to finish. I don't know what element of your faith you can sense like a list like that. Yeah, that one's not too strong. Maybe I could work on discovering more promises there. But I challenge you. Maybe you've never read through the Bible or started a Bible reading plan. Open up YouVersion. version. It's a Bible app. You could open it on a computer, or you could go buy a physical Bible. But find a list of promises. The cool thing is you could read a daily Bible plan that would show you the promises of God if you wanted to. And you could start discovering the promises. Maybe you need promises for forgiveness, or maybe you need, you know, promises for your marriage, or maybe you need promises for your workplace. but start to digest and work on and make every effort to walk out the promises of God for your life. God, I, I thank you for the opportunity we have to walk through these doors today. And the beautiful weather you're giving us, which ultimately I'm excited about because it allows us to connect with our neighbors and see more and just hang out and talk to people. It's the way I'm wired. But honestly, a lot of that is because of your grace. Because the adding to these things into my life through your promises has given me a love for everybody. It wells up within me and burns within me an opportunity to just be there for others in their lows and their highs. And God, I pray for those in this room that maybe walked in today. Maybe there's two scenarios. One was doubting if you're real. May you speak to that doubt today. Man, Peter here that we just read instructions from was very familiar with that doubt. He denied you himself after being with you for three years. But God, I pray as well that for the rest of us who would walk in and there's seasons where we just doubt if we're going to finish this thing. God, would you give us the promises in the realm of our life and the experiences of our life that we need to make every effort to take hold of And may that allow us to feed our faith. May we enjoy the process we're on and see you at work within each one of us. That's my prayer for us today as we conclude this series of Brave. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.